KRCL, Salt Lake City. I am Nick Burns. This is Radioactive, your show, your show rather, for grassroots activists, for community builders, for punk rock farmers, and for DIY creatives everywhere. Thank you for plugging into your community with me tonight. And tonight on the show, I want to talk about living traditions. You know, it's kind of exciting to start thinking about spring, but living traditions needs your help. So we'll talk about that. We also want to get into arts and culture the value of arts in our lives across Utah, the economic value, if you want to put a dollar sign on it. Um, and we actually have a clip from, uh, from folks up at the legislature talking about the value of the arts. And at the same time, we have the Utah Taxpayers Association again rattling the bars about why are we funding the arts? Um, so there's a lot to talk about on the show. Later on the hour, we're going to get into uh, the Code Blue legislation that could save lives with the Second and Second Coalition, plus this notion of sweeping the homeless off the streets just in time for the NBA All-Star Weekend. Um, kind of rude, kind of nasty, um, and as <clears throat> I think we could realize kind of a shame the money wasn't there when it was below zero but now that there's going to be crowds on the streets we have to suddenly do something kind of sad but we've got rallies and resources laura hi hi you know that that push pull is something Mm. that the older i get the more i'm aware of right so uh in my youth always in the streets Mm. (laughs) manning the barricades demanding (laughs) demanding and the older i get it's like okay how does the system work can i change it from within getting uh disillusioned about that Mm. and then sorry so what do we do this gap that second and second coalition and all the grassroots groups like ours our unsheltered relatives uh, black lives for humanity movement are working on it's that bit that the system is missing that uh, the group of folks that it um, doesn't serve because they don't fit neatly into the box that the allocations are made for, right? Yeah, and you know, folks have these fantastically good ideas, but they can't mm-hmm. be fit into those in power. It can't, can't fit into their sort of mindset. Well, and the liability that comes when you're running a city, right? And here's another thing. No one would run for office if they knew when they got elected, if someone died on the streets while they were mayor, they'd be charged with murder. <laughs> There's that that immunity and and the way society functions. At the same time, there are still people who have died of exposure on our streets this winter with the the really low temperature. So I'm excited to have the grassroots folks on always because guess what? We push from the ends and hopefully the middle moves, right? Yeah, and there's all this discussion about the economy and the economy is so great and Mm -hmm. 500,000 jobs and this, that, and the other thing and people are freaking dying on the streets. But yet... The mm-hmm. folks who are actually trying to help them so often just get shut down yeah. and shut out. Well, tomorrow, speaking of something folks can do, it's the More Bread for Utahns March and Rally to End the Food Tax. We had Reverend Brigitte Weir on from the United Today Stronger Tomorrow, and they're working with also the with CORC, the Coalition of Religious Communities, to put this on. It starts at 1.30 on the second floor of the Capitol building, and they're asking you to bring a loaf of bread, not to give to lawmakers. They're going to take that bread and give it to uh, Crossroads Urban Center and their food pantry. But what they've done... If you listened to the show last night, folks, you heard this. They're going to have cookies and they're going to have rolls and they're going to ask lawmakers as they go in and out of of their work. Are you going to vote to repeal the sales tax on 
want food? If it's a yes, they get the cookie. If it's a no, <laughs> they get the roll because as Reverend Brigitte Weir said last night, everyone deserves to eat. So I like the way they're going about this uh, rally. Yeah, Marching rally at 1.30. A little details, bit of spectacle. Yeah, details uh, on our, our website, krcl.org. And you click on Community Affairs to get to the tab. There's also the sing-in tomorrow at 5 o'clock that PFLAG of Provo and Utah County and Gender Brands are putting on in support of trans youth on the Hill, calling on all trans youth teens and allies. They're gathering to protest the new bill banding gender-affirming care for transgender youth. They'll be doing a sing-in on the South Steps, a medley of This Is Me and God Help the Outcasts. More details at uh, our Rallies and Resources page. So uh, another reminder, next week, Wednesday the 15th, uh, I don't know if you heard about the main library downtown having a sewer problem. Yes. Put things out of action. I think they fixed. I think they fixed. Anyway, Black, Bold, and Brilliant moved their little Satchmo conversation to 7 p.m. on Wednesday at the City Library. And then the film, the documentary Little Satchmo, will have virtual screening available gratis from February 16th to the 22nd. And that, of course, courtesy of Utah Film Center, Black, Bold, and Brilliant, and our partnership with them. So that's a, a couple of things going on. And also wanted to talk a bit of legislation you wanted to update some folks on. Yeah, just some things that I think people should be aware of. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the money for increased radon testing and education. Really good for people to get on that. Uh, huge emphasis on rural communities and radon testing kits. So that's something going on that's a little positive. I personally would really like people to support the free fare for public transportation. This is something Governor Cox has been pushing. Unclear if the legislature will get on board. Free fare during the All-Star NBA week. Yes, free. Yeah, (laughs) once again. I'm sure the NBA is paying for that. Probably. But hey, when we've done free fare to clean the air before, people step up and ride the bus and the train, and it's a good thing. Biggest surplus ever right now. Oh. Yeah. Um, don't get me started on the tax <laughs> rebates. That'll be another show. But some other things that are that is that's a smidge of positive up on the hill. Yeah. There is HB three nineteen, which is the Uinta Basin Air Quality Research Project. That passed out of the House Natural Resources Committee. That's kind of exciting. Okay, wait, Nick. Are they asking questions that they really want to know the answers to on that one? <laughs> I'm not really sure. There were five abstentions. It it passed nine to nothing, but five people didn't vote. Yeah. And that makes me a little suspicious. What will happen when it's now out of the committee, mm-hmm. but at least got out of the committee to research the air in the Uinta Basin. Again, the depth of the research, etc. Also on the upside, <clears throat> and again, we're taking small victories where we can get them here. There is uh, SB 92, which would make a special Great Salt Lake license plate yeah. where you can get a brine shrimp. Yeah, I might image. do that. I haven't done a, a specialty plate, and I don't know if I've ever done one, but I would do that one, wouldn't you? Yeah. Would the I money think, flow where we need it to flow? Yeah, buck a buck three eighty, it might be. Um, I think the brine shrimp should just be the Utah Jazz mascot. I think that would be a whole lot cooler. <laughs> Change the whole Change the whole operation. thing. It's like the jazz. Anyway, on the downside, not so good up on the hill. Um, HB 217 didn't go anywhere. That was uh, funding to help schools reduce energy and water consumption. That didn't go anywhere. On the show, I think we've already mentioned that the target elevation for the Great Salt Lake, that failed. Um, so water week, kind of a spit. <laughs> It was a but, different kind of week, right? Uh, W-E-A-K, maybe? Yeah, week. It was a week, week. 
So a couple things going on up at the hill. Again, radon testing, no complaints about that. Air quality, uh, you into basin, they surely need some help there. Yeah. Uh, And maybe some brine shrimp on license plates. I don't know. So, folks, you can track these bills. If these bills appeal to you, you can go to le.utah.gov. It's your tax dollars at work. You can sign up for a free account and then find these bills. It's a really easy-to-navigate website. And click on the tracking page, and it'll add it to your personal legislative tracker. Now, if you're looking for some folks to give you some inspiration for tracking, I've got the legislative bill trackers at the top of the Rallies and Resources page at krcl.org under Community Affairs, the ACLU, Heal Utah, League of Women Voters of Utah, YWCA Utah. I'm going to be adding more. It's a great way to start watching and getting engaged, Nick. Yeah, it's it's easy to feel that votes don't matter. It's easy to be disheartened by the gerrymandering. But yet we have mm. seen activists up on the Hill make things happen. We saw the conversion therapy portion of that bill fail, mm-hmm. right? Um, we still have tweaks to the what therapists can and cannot do. But this notion to bring back conversion therapy failed. So shout out to Equality Utah on that and one. that shows so. that you have to stay engaged. It's always the long game because mm. every year they take another bite at the apple. But really it starts an interim. And we'll, we'll keep you up to date on all of that, especially on Tuesdays when League of Women Voters checks in. We have some special guests for rallies and resources. We've got Don Borchardt here, Performing Arts Program Coordinator with the Salt Lake City Arts Council, because Living Traditions is coming back again, Nick, in May. Yeah, Don. hi. Hello. Thanks for having me. So you are the Arts Program Coordinator uh, for the Salt Lake City Arts Council. But before we get into the help you'd like and how artists could get involved and perform and whatnot, Living Traditions, I know we're we're thinking a little bit early maybe for May, but it's going to come up quick. Yeah, so it's the third week of May every year, um, and it's coming back at Washington Square, so at the City and County Building downtown and the adjacent library square. Yes, return to normal. Um, So if you were here last year, um, it'll look pretty similar to that festival. So it's free for everyone in the community, which is amazing. Um, We welcome everyone to come on down, and it's just a celebration of different cultures in Utah. And how have you seen that? How have you seen living traditions change? Because on the positive and negative, depending on who's speaking, we've seen a lot of cultural change over the last 10, 20 years in Salt Lake and Utah. Yeah, we definitely have space for new cultural groups that come into the state. You know, we have different groups of refugees and different communities that come into Utah every year that um, are brand new, which is amazing. So we have some groups that are established and I've been with the festival for 35 years. Wow. And I just met, I literally came from a meeting straight with a brand new group to Utah that's super small and we want to make space for those kinds of people too. So. And, and if memory serves, this is about 100 different groups and performers? Yeah, just under 100. So we have about 80 performances that wow. happen at the festival, approximately 30 different craft artists and about 15 to 20 different food vendors. But we also have workshops, food demonstrations, panels, film screenings. We have all kinds of stuff going on. And how long has this living traditions been happening? It's been going a while. Yeah, this will be our 37th year. Wow. So it's been around. seven years. And wow. you run on volunteers. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) we do. So we're going to have volunteer applications opening sometime early next month. So you can keep an eye on our social media and our website to see that. But we, yeah, we pull in about 200 volunteers to help us with the festival. So if you want to come and get involved. So what kinds of what kinds of help do you need volunteer wise? I mean, 
I presume this isn't like traffic control out on the streets, which no. would probably be police, but, <laughs> but what are volunteers doing? Yeah, so there are different things that you can do based on what you're interested in, but we have um, a school day with kids, so we have people with um, helping with that with kids' activities, and then during the public part of the festival, we have folks helping with different workshops or the kids' area or um, in the food area by the craft artists. You can kind of help with setup and tear down. We also have a green team so that are keeping our grounds clean. So there's really a variety of different things people can do based on what they're interested in. You also have some paid positions to help <laughs> corral all those volunteers you're hiring. And we'll get the website where folks can check that out. But in yeah. terms of, you know, like you said, you just met with a new small group. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing folks listening to this will go, well, I want to play or yeah. I want to demonstrate. Can people still apply? Yes, they can. Um, So we have interest forms available on our website right now. So we accept forms for performing artists, for craft artists, and for food vendors. Um, So you can fill out forms there. You can always reach out to us directly if you have questions. But our festival website is livingtraditionsfestival.com. And you can apply there. Uh, We have applications open through March 1st. And are performers paid or are they also volunteer? No, they are paid. We, I like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, just, just wanted them. to make that clear. Yeah, yes. you get paid to be a part of our festival. Is there, sometimes you have some headliners that come in. Are you still working on that? Anything to tease? T- the TBD on the headliners. <laughs> um, yeah. You will come back. <laughs> you will we'll come, come back. back. All right, and share that. Because I remember, I think the first time I saw the Carolina Chocolate Drops, it was hmm. at Living Traditions before they kind of blew up and Rhiannon Giddens went on to Fame and Fortune and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, this year we're most likely focusing more on some local headliners, but like I said, TBD, and hopefully I'll be back on the air with yeah, you guys absolutely. later this spring and that we'll would talk be more great. about that. Again, so Living Traditions, save the date. The dates are? May 19th Back the at Washington Square and Library mm-hmm. Square. Yep. And I, I actually really love it there because um, there's lots of ways to get in or out of the elements if you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, running water if you need. <laughs> <laughs> but then you can just kind of spend the day down there. Yeah. And that's yeah. one of my favorite things to do. We've broadcast live before. Maybe we should go back and do that, Nick. Uh, we have done that? that before. And I think Washington Square is just nice. It is Salt Lake, right? So we are in downtown Salt mm-hmm. Lake for... The festivals, so I I think that's just wonderful. Yeah. What's the website one more time for vendor and food and performer applications as well as volunteers, which opens up in March? Yep, livingtraditionsfestival.com, and you can also follow us on social media like Facebook, Instagram, at SLC Living Trad. Excellent, Don. Thank you Pretty so cool. much. And moving right along with our arts conversation, we wanted to talk with the Utah Cultural Alliance and Salt Lake County Arts and Culture. We have the director of the latter here, Matt Castillo. Yesterday was kind of nonprofit day on the hill with arts and culture organizations. The big report, the most late, the latest data, Nick, on what the uh, culture industry contributes to our quality of life and our economy. And I've got a a clip here from their press conference, and it features speaker Brad Wilson. Roll clip. Activities play a really important supportive role in the state's $10.5 billion visitor economy. Uh, And what we also know from the data that we've seen is that people actually stay here longer and spend more time here uh, when they are coming in and visiting uh, our cultural and arts uh, community, uh, whether it's this kind of art or others. They spend, um, instead of the uh, $775 that an average visitor spends here as a tourist, 
uh, our uh, arts and cultural visitors spend uh, 830 plus dollars. That doesn't sound like a lot, but you multiply that over tens of thousands of people, and it makes a big difference in our economy. 11% or one out of 10 of the visitors that comes to Utah comes because of what you all do. And so we, we know how important you are, not just to the fabric of our society, but also to our economy. Uh, and what's also interesting is these folks that come here for this, for the mountains, 33% of them end up spending time in our cultural venues or experiencing Utah culture in a way. And what I think is amazing about that is they not just get to experience the outdoors, but they get to feel and sense as who we are as a people. So I just want you to know from the bottom of my heart and the legislature how much we appreciate and support this industry, and we look forward to amazing things from you in the future. Thank you. Speaker Brad Wilson, uh, talking about the value of the culture, arts and culture sector, Nick Burns, and it's really good to hear the speaker there saying this when, uh, again, we're getting those questions. And it's a, I think it's a cycle, right? Why are we spending so much money on the arts? Well, when we have a surplus, um, I think, okay, why do we need to cut it? But we're also having talks of potential recession. Um, so then the arts are always on the chopping block. So I love that um, that Utah Cultural Alliance has been doing the math for a number of years now, Nick. Yeah, good point. So Matt Castillo, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me here. And you are the director of Salt Lake County Arts and Culture, so there's plenty to talk about here. Um, does that track with your research? One out of 10 people coming here are doing something cultural. Uh, what's missing there is if they're also here for something else. As as Speaker Wilson mentioned, come for the mountains, stay for a, quote, Broadway show. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, we have a lot of people come, um, not just from neighboring states, from Idaho, from Wyoming, to come see the, the beautiful art and amazing culture we have here, but also from across the country. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Do you track that, like for folks who come to the Eccles to see one of the big touring, you know, to see Hamilton touring or something, do you track how far away folks are buying tickets from? We we do, yeah. We um, we look at zip codes. Okay. Um, you know, we even have people purchasing from other countries sometimes. They might come um, to, to see some national parks or do some skiing, but they also want to see some shows while they're in town. Okay. So... I want to kind of get the full gist here for people who maybe aren't aware. When it comes to Salt Lake County arts and culture, what you all do is probably far, far bigger than what most people realize. How, how many different venues? Yeah, no, we um, we are definitely a kind of behind-the-scenes organization, but but we do a lot. So we manage um, five performing arts centers. Uh, most of them are downtown, uh, Eccles Theater, Bravanel Hall, Capitol Theater, and the Rose Wagner Performing Arts Center. Uh, we also just opened a new performing arts center in Taylorsville, the Mid Valley Performing Arts Center, which is uh, about a year and a half old. And it's very nice. Yes, it's beautiful. So you do all this. I mean, you run all these different facilities. I think a lot of people don't realize the counties involved. I know there was a lot of news, you know, when the Eccles was being built and all, and you were in the news then, but a little bit more invisible now. But some information from Kim Gardner Policy Institute. Um, Utah cultural industry GDP as a share. This is from 2021, the newest, the, the most recent numbers. Um, $4.8 uh, billion, two, over 2%, 2.1% of Utah's GDP, um, the arts. 
Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, I think $10.1 billion uh, in 2021, which was a billion dollar growth from the year before. One of the things we're really excited about from this 2021 report is that it largely shows, you know, the arts are back. Um, uh, the number of jobs, the uh, cultural industry supported uh, 65,600 jobs in 2019. In 2021, it was 65,300. So we're just 300 behind there. So hopefully we can make that up in 2022. Bouncing back. Yep. Absolutely. And again, people are anxious to get out. People are happy to go buy a ticket. I hope everybody's vaccinated. But I was intrigued looking at GDP for Utah. I saw agriculture at 4% total. Um, and here the arts are over 2%. You had even higher numbers. Um, Fairly impressive when we have all this discussion about water, especially 60-some percent of our water going to 0.2 percent of the GDP for alfalfa. Um, and it seems to me maybe we need more people on stage and less cows eating grass. Hey, I'm all for that. <laughs> yeah, let's make it happen. <laughs> oh, so when it comes to, I mean, I think I think most people, most of our listeners are probably aware that that these different these five different venues sort of have a different focus and they probably draw in different audiences you know that a, a touring hamilton show is going to bring people from twin falls probably a rose wagner and a plan b show with a local playwright it's going to be something very different uh, and i wonder how in terms of your work as the director of salt lake county arts and culture how does that all kind of get balanced and wrangled yeah that that's an uh Interesting question. You know, I sometimes call Eccles Theater the gateway drug to arts in Salt Lake County because <laughs> it's a good oh, way. First, but first one's not free. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's a great way uh, if you're interested in seeing Dear Evan Hansen or Les Mis, a couple shows we have coming up later this year. Um, you can come to Eccles Theater. Um, but then when you visit saltlakecountyarts.org to buy tickets, then you can see also at Rose Wagner, you know, you've got Mountain Meadows performed by Pygmalion, so you can learn a little bit more there. Um, you can see Rigoletto with Utah Opera. So we try and kind of uh, bring all that together and, and help cross-promote. I mean, it's, it's incredibly effective how these different venues can draw different audiences, put on different kinds of works. Um, you mentioned the number of, the, the number of people working so I think we're probably all conscious we need actors, we need musicians. You go to a show and you see the pit band and someone singing, dancing, et cetera, on stage. Tell me about the employment side behind the scenes, you know, backstage. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize um, just what a huge industry and profession, um, stagehands, uh, uh, lighting and electrical uh, professionals, riggers, things like that. Um, these are great careers, and we're actually always looking for, for new qualified people. Um, and a lot of times we're not able to find them. We've had vacant positions with our technical directors for over a year now. Um, so it's a, it's a great career. Um, and actually, uh, we have internships available as well. So for if you're in college or in uh, high school and you have some experience and are interested, we, we'd love to have you come intern with us. You can help run a show at Capitol Theater or Eccles Theater. Wow, makes me want to sign up. What kind of money for somebody who gets involved, you know, backstage? Yeah. I mean, it depends on the job, obviously. Um, toting boxes or unloading a truck is going to be different than a stage director. But right. for somebody who is younger, maybe thinking of two-year school or just out of high school, what kind of money to get in and do an apprenticeship? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we start at twenty dollars an hour, you know, so <laughs> it's it's a it's a good uh, college gig. Uh, 
works well with your class schedule. You can go to class during the day and then work at night. Um, and then once you become more established, a lot of times our stage crew, um, you know, some of them are the highest paid people in the theater. So it it's, can definitely be a great career. You have hungry actors, but the people making the money are the folks backstage. How did you get into how, how did you end up being director of Salt Lake County Arts and Culture? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I um, I was a French horn player. OK. And, uh, when I realized I maybe wouldn't. Uh, make my dream of becoming the principal horn of the New York Philharmonic. I aimed a little bit lower, but still feel pretty good about, about where I am. So it's, it's been a great career to, uh, to be an administrator in the arts. Uh, you have a degree in that or a degree in music performance? I have a degree in music performance okay. and accounting. So that's Ooh, good plan. The, the bridge there. Nice uh, backup plan. I will, yep. say, <laughs> I will say many, many years ago, speaking of the arts, I had the uh, opportunity to see Sun Ra and his orchestra, and it ha he had two French horn players. Oh, I love that. Which was the jazz band. And when it was time for a French horn solo, they had to squat in front of the band uh, down with their butt almost on the floor with a little mic on a short stand vertically. So they had yeah. to squat and hold their horn upright face down. It was very visually stunning and pretty cool. Well, but I digress. Next time I'll bring my record of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody performed by 18 horns. So what? It's, it's quite a treat. Can you yeah. come back tomorrow? Yeah, oh. <laughs> I'll be here. Yeah. Living traditions right here for us. But seriously, the, the cultural industry, you know, we get this pushback every time the legislature meets, every time the taxes and zap the vote comes around again. I know that they're expanding up Wasatch County, Summit County, you know, zap funds up there are, are, are gaining credence, I guess I want to say. How directly does that impact your work? I mean, do you have folks up on the Hill lobbying to keep all these tax breaks and whatnot, or is it just kind of fluff and it disappears? Well, you know, one of the other things we do is we, we do administer the Zoo Arts and Parks program here in Salt Lake County. Um, so we give out more than $20 million a year um, in, uh, in grant funding to um, arts and culture organizations, uh, zoological organizations, um, and and one of the things we look at is you know that that's really an investment in the community. So we give out about twenty million dollars, but these organizations spend collectively more than a hundred million dollars. They employ close to five thousand people, um, so it's really um, you know contributes to the quality of life, but also the economy in a great and, way. And when we think of the economy, and I don't know if this is included in the figures that we're talking about, but for most people, if you're going to go see something at the Rose Wagner, you're going to go out for a beer or a burger before or after. So there's this spillover effect, um, and the money just seems to keep growing, it seems in my, to me. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And one thing we found with this report that we released yesterday is one in 12 jobs in Utah are, report, or are supported either directly, like stage actors, uh, designers, or indirectly, like the the bartender that's serving you your drink after your, your great show. Hospitality, mm -hmm. hotels. Wow. And that means we uh, are connected in our economy. You cut the arts, you're going to be cutting tourism and travel because the big trade shows take a look at, oh, what's going to be at mm -hmm. uh, the Eccles that our folks can go see? They want those amenities when yep. they bring their folks to town as much as Utah's support you know, like, what is it that, is it Crystal is fond of saying they, they built a place to sing before they built a place to worship, the yeah. uh, Mormon pioneers? The very first public building built by the pioneers was a theater, so. Mm -hmm. And there is the statistic that supposedly more homes have pianos in Utah than any other state. I don't know how often the pianos get played, but we a lot a piano of pianos here. get sold. <laughs> hey, I've um, got two of them at home, so. Oh, cool. <laughs> Do you still play French horn? Do you still play? I do play a little bit, cool. yes, but uh, in my closet where no one can hear me. So, uh, 
something I want to ask about before we have to let you go, and that's, you know, we've seen congressional hearings, all the Swifties are blowing a gasket, and that's impacting what you all do right here. We're seeing ticket scammers. We're seeing people getting ripped off even right here locally. Or even locked out of the opportunity to see Taylor Swift if right. was coming out. I can't remember. Yeah, we, we've seen a, a huge uptick in, you know, what we call predatory uh, ticket reselling. So, you know, resellers will... Not only will they significantly mark up the price and add a ton of fees, but sometimes they'll sell tickets that they don't even have, that don't even exist. And so we'll have people show up at the theater um, and they, they can't see the show. And there's nothing we can do because we didn't sell them the ticket, so we can't refund it. So we're trying to get the word out to encourage folks to buy directly from authorized ticket sellers for any of uh, the county venues. You can go to saltlakecountyarts.org. Uh, you can go to nowplaying.utah.com, uh, which will give you links to um, shows really at any venues um, to the authorized ticket sellers where you'll, you'll sell the best price and make sure you get a real ticket. How common is that? Somebody shows up to see Les Mis or something and their ticket's fraudulent and they just dropped $1,000 and you turn them away at the door? Ouch. Yeah, well, and sometimes they've traveled from Idaho, and so they have, you know, wow. they've got a hotel and all of that. Um, you know, it's really not that uncommon. Um, I would say when we have a week-long run here in Broadway, we get several several dozen over the course of the run at least. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. What are you looking forward to seeing that's coming up? Oh, my gosh, so much good stuff. Uh, so this Friday at Eccles Theater, we've got Los Temerarios, which um, if you're a fan of Mexican rupero music, mm. it's going to be great. So really excited about that. Um, one of the things I'm most excited for, you mentioned All-Stars Weekend. Um, mm -hmm. So if you've got your basketball fix, or maybe basketball isn't your thing, but you still want to get out um, at the Galvin Center uh, from 10 a.m., or excuse me, 1 p.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, February 17th, 18th, and 19th, there will be these custom-built uh, storage container performance spaces featuring all local artists, local musicians, um, and food. So it's going to be a really Fantastic. amazing uh, festival time on Galvin Plaza for All-Stars Weekend. It's so nice to see people downtown out and about. Things that you put on and folks show up. I'm not a big fan of basketball. But otherwise, all these are things happening in downtown Salt Lake. It actually makes me feel like I live in a real city. Yeah. It's just so nice. <laughs> Matt, thanks for coming down. Thanks for representing. Matt Castillo, Director of Salt Lake County Arts and Culture, also a part of the Utah Cultural Alliance. We appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. And to get a legitimate ticket, people should go to? Uh, SaltLakeCountyArts.org. So buy the tickets directly from all y'all, and you'll have a seat. Thanks. All right. When we come back, we're going to be talking with our friends at the Second and Second Coalition and getting an update. It was about two weeks ago we had them on the show here. We wanted to hear more. And there's also that legislation coming, code, code blue, code red legislation. But the story in uh, KSL published today about the NBA All-Star Weekend and money to help folks get off the streets right. during that time we'll talk about. And that gets me to madness. Little Our House on KRCL 90.9. Support for Radioactive comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Love Promise Community Commitment, a partnership with nonprofit organizations that aim to make the world a better place. More information about the Love Promise and Subaru products at markmillersubaru.com. 
KRCL amplifies the work of community nonprofits, like the Share House of Catholic Community Services of Utah, which accepts in-kind donations to help refugees setting up a new home in Utah. More details online at ccsutah.org slash programs. KRCL's Music Meets Movies returns to Broovies in Salt Lake City this Thursday for a screening of the 2017 film Living on Soul. Part concert film, part documentary, Living on Soul was filmed during the Daptone record label's three-night sold-out residency at the historic Apollo Theater in Harlem. We have, you know, like 40, 50 musicians interchanging seamlessly from one set to another. And musically, it works because this is a family of people that have been doing that for many, many years. When I saw Gabe and yeah, those like when guys, when they were babies, when I first met them, I came in the studio and they was all in there. And I was like, what do you young white boys know about funk music? That's Music Meets Movies this Thursday at Broovies in Salt Lake City. Tickets at the door at 6.30, movie at 7.30. Information at krcl.org. And of course, you wear your KRCL t-shirt, Nick, two for one. Hope to see folks there. Pretty cool. Tomorrow night. Take it away. So coming up tonight, Democracy Now! rolls at 7. Stay tuned for that with Amy Goodman. Rude Awakening with Liz, that's at 8 p.m. As always, Maximum Distortion with Forgash and Cody D, 10.30. And start your brand new day with John Florence tomorrow at 6 a.m. Now joining us on the show, Dave John. Hi, welcome back. Yeah, good evening, relatives. And yeah, oh. thanks for having me back again. And you're with ours, O-U-R-S, Our Unsheltered Relatives. Yeah, them and also Pandos. Yeah, <laughs> so many hats, but kind of the same work. Yeah, a lot of volunteering. <laughs> and Ty Bellamy, welcome back. Hello, thank you for having me back. Black Lives for Humanity movement. You're one of the people, you both are people who are out there on the street doing this active work, helping the people who are homeless. And so often... We get these news accounts, and they're legislators, and they're this, that, and the other. These people have all these fantastic ideas, but it seems it takes somebody like you, Ty, to actually be out there on the street that kind of actually knows what's going on. Yeah, I've always said that it never made sense to me that people that sit in their offices talk to other people that sit in their offices and make decisions about lives on the street um, when they can't even relate. Um, I've asked them to come out and see um, you know, who they're making the decisions about so they have a better understanding, but listen. <laughs> didn't didn't Ben McAdams do that once, spent 24 hours in a shelter or something? Uh, uh. Yeah, he was out on the street. He went unsheltered, and I think it was for longer than that. I think uh. he did it for like a week or something like that. Um, and everybody said that he did it to clout chase, but he didn't tell anybody when he did it. He went out there to see what it was like. And, and, and actually, um, I've been saying that when people are in a position, when you're in an elected office, that should be part of the criteria. If you're going to have the empowerment to make decisions about people's lives, you should walk a mile in their shoes. <sighs> we could apply that to education. We oh, could yes, apply we that could. to so many different things. Oh, yes, things. we could. Oh. Know who you're talking about before you talk about them. Yeah, it would be so easy. And yet, again, if you're sitting in an office talking to the guy or gal in the office next door, pretty easy to not do that. Let's talk quickly about this All-Star Weekend coming up in 10 oh. days or so. Um, 
all of a sudden, what, $30,000, $40,000 to have movie night um, <laughs> when people could just freeze to death last week? It's a yeah, little now, insulting. Keep in mind that they don't have money to get hotel vouchers to keep people off the street so that the 15 that have already died wouldn't Couldn't have do been that. died. I mean, that makes too much sense. But yet now we want to throw money. We want to deny throwing the money or offering to throw the money. But we want to throw the money now to hide people that are unsheltered. It's well, very disgusting. It's very disgusting. And the logic is even more disgusting. It's like, well, the people who are homeless might be uncomfortable if there are people <laughs> on the streets. I got that sense of reading the KSL oh. story that there was some of that kind of backstory going on, Dave John. Oh, yeah. Because oh. um, we had... Um, well, we, we started a, a proposal because they asked us to, even though I see in this article they're denying they even offered this or put it on the table. Mm. But, you know, there's a reason why we started figuring out a budget, you know, just to kind of, you know, figure, okay, well, what's going to be the cost? And, yeah, I don't know. One of my proposals on that was to have them supply 100 tickets to this event, because if they want them off the street this bad, let them enjoy it. You yeah, know? send them to the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it gets them off the street, too, you know. <laughs> so, but, How'd that go over? <laughs> uh, well, I guess we got denied. Well, I you know there's a lot the of article. tickets floating around <clears throat> the city. Uh, yeah, so. but, you know. Yeah, like if, camping if, ones. If, if they, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just added to the bill that yeah. they were proposing. Because when we did ask for funds, they told us, oh, we don't have nothing. That's why we were surprised when we got this email saying, oh, yeah, you know, give us a proposal. And, you know, yeah, so we did. But, yeah, that fell through. Any idea where this money is suddenly coming from? Is this the NBA coughing up money? Or do uh, I'm we not know? sure on that. But, you know, if the city proposed it, even though they're denying it, you know, it's like, well, they got money somewhere, you know, because to me, like even with the rec center, you know, it was good, yeah, Jenny Wilson opened it up, but she expected us to keep it running for them, you know. But with ours and unsheltered Utah, Pandos, and Salt Lake Air Protectors, you know, we already have movie nights, you know, over with the First United Methodist Church. And to us, that's our first priority, you know, because when they're talking about, you know, not having staff, you know, we're like, well, you have people like Ty mentioned, you have people working in these offices that are supposed to help the unsheltered people, make them into volunteers or or put some of that overtime money they give the police, mm. you know, Ooh, let them pay those workers, too, that are supposed to be helping the unsheltered. But mostly I would suggest let them volunteer because that's their job. Let them know how it is. Let them feel, you know, let them meet the people they're supposed to represent. And more than more than Thanksgiving, serving up mashed potatoes for two hours, right? Speed. Like a real volunteer Speed. commitment, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh. Oh. So tell me about Code Blue. Well, Code Blue, um, we found out other states, uh, other cities have this. So what it is, they put it into place for, like, if a temperature drops below a certain degree, uh, usually it's below freezing weather. And usually freezing is, what, 33 degrees and below. So if any of the temperatures drop, uh, usually they should have some uh, reserve uh, heating places, you know, to have the unsheltered go. That way they don't are out on the street. 
So that's why we started providing movie nights, you know, is that's when we were open. At uh, first, we were doing it like when it dropped below 20 degrees. And Ouch. we would watch the weather, you know, two weeks out. But, you know, you never know about that. It's unpredictable. Mm-hmm. But then we go down to the five-day. But usually on the third day before, that's when we make the decision, you know. So if the weather changes, you know, we're still open because yeah. uh, that's about the closest where we can. And that's a partnership, a collaboration, <coughs> people volunteering, coming together. You, you mm-hmm. don't have $35,000. Yeah, and, you know, so that's why. And when we first started this, that first day, we got this thing going in five hours. And, I mean, just with the grassroots people, the activists, you know. Yeah, we just came together, started getting the ball rolling, found out what, you know, the guidelines the church wanted us to follow, mm-hmm. and we keep within them, you know, because, yeah, it, it's their property. So, you know, we they're they're the ones who have to yeah. say so. You how, know. How, how much room? How big a space? Well, it's, to me, it, it's a good size, but when you think 85 people in there, it you, there's still leg room. But, you know, it'd be nice to have something bigger. Yeah, you know, 85 is fire code for the space. I think they have a little bit higher. But, but you know, we just want to keep it safe. Want to be you safe. Know? Yeah. And so. And a pot of coffee. Anything else you're available for folks? Oh, yeah. Um, we usually try to provide a dinner. Uh, also, we try to get uh, other groups, um, other churches, you know, to sponsor a dinner. And so. You know, it helps out a lot. It gets all these other communities, other groups to get to know the unsheltered people. So you put all this together. It's volunteers working with the church, obviously. And now with the NBA weekend, suddenly other people are coming up and saying, this is a great idea. Why don't you do it next weekend? Regardless of the temperature, right? Yeah. Ugh. And that's that's why um, the last time we were open was Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, but we knew Monday it was going to drop, and so that's why we ended up putting up a warming tent up on the island. And this yeah, last we, week or two weeks ago. Uh, How has it been now? About half a week and a half ago. It was ten days back or something. You had the warming tent. Yeah, and so yeah, and and yeah, we set that up. You know, we were told we we're going to get shut down. You know, we had police kind of standing on the side. And that's when the mayor, Jenny Wilson, opened up the rec center. And, you know, kudos to that, but where, why, why was she doing this <clears throat> at the beginning of the winter, you know? And so it would have been nice if they would have had these warming tents going on, yeah. you know? But, yeah, so at least to us, we figured, well, we pushed her hand to open up this rec center. Yeah, at least that worked. This is Radioactive. I'm Nick Burns. We're talking with Dave John from Pandos, our unsheltered relatives, and much, much more. Dave, somebody out on the street taking care of business while too many other people perhaps sit in their offices. Ty Bellamy also with us tonight, Black Lives for Humanity movement with the puppy. Can't see the puppy on the radio, but very well behaved tonight. I appreciate that. Um, (laughs) Movie nights, what, tonight and tomorrow this week? Uh, Yeah, tonight uh, we'll be opening the doors at 8 o'clock and tomorrow at 9. And Uh, it's just first come, first serve? How does this work? Yeah, it's pretty much first come, first serve. But usually if we're full to capacity, uh, we'll check the other shelters. And if there's a bed open, uh, usually we'll transport them over. 
but yeah, even even with that, once we filled those extra beds, you know, there's still some that, that, that get turned away. And how does movie night work? Because we do hear stories about some people who are unsheltered who are hesitant to go in a shelter for fear of violence, for fear of drugs, any number of reasons. But movie night seems like a much more benign, friendly kind of thing to offer. Well, that's the thing. We're not a shelter, you okay, know. Okay, just to be and clear. So um, we still try to provide safety, you know, kind of like guidelines because we've had other people that help us out that do work in shelters. Okay. And so they've been a big help in getting kind of like our rules and stuff, you know. So we're not going to discipline them you know like okay you can only go out for two smoke breaks yeah. or you know no re-entry right yeah. That's, you, yeah. Don't, yeah. you don't do that you have teams that you organize and you've kind of developed a process inspired by the genesis project down in provo oh yeah big shout out to pastor justin i mean if it wasn't for his group yeah yeah we probably won't even have a movie night <laughs> one of the things when we interviewed you and the and the pastor from genesis project i had to edit for time and you and Ty both feel very strongly about the culpability of our elected officials and the yeah, deaths absolutely. of folks on the street. Now, that's an incendiary comment. Do you have a plan to make a case? Are you working on something to really bring that, that home and, and pursue it? And also, just maybe explain why you feel so strongly about that. Um, we are absolutely um, building a case. Um, there are many cases to be built. Anytime that you put people in a position to where they cannot protect themselves, um, you're absolutely culpable. Um, we're taking away survival gear. We're taking away. We what was our, we had windshields last week. Uh, we were we were in the negatives in temperatures. Yet we had the police and the health department show up the next day to take away tents, sleeping bags, blankets, and clothing. abatement, a public health. Uh, yeah, sure, and and, and, and yes. <laughs> um, but anytime that you you um, put people in a position to where they cannot be safe. And if something happens to them and that causes their demise, you absolutely are responsible. You absolutely are. And I think it's premeditated because you are planning on, you are having meetings, you are sending out emails, you are giving the word go, and you're saying go take away these tents and these blankets, go do this, go do that. So when it happens and then that person cannot survive the conditions because you've made sure they can't, you are absolutely responsible and we're going to hold you to that. I mean, one of the tenets of our capitalist system is we blame the victim, right? Oh, yeah, so, of course. So, so many, many people think whoever is homeless, it's their own issue, right? It's their own problem. What you're talking about is actually going another step that you know, somebody trips on a sidewalk, they sue the city and the city's culpable. Here, like you say, a deliberate plan to go take their sleeping bags, throw their tent in the trash, <coughs> do these abatements, to use the word. Who is responsible? So you're thinking about a reckless disregard? Or? Absolutely. I mean, there's so many different things. But here's the, here's the thing. Um, going back to blaming the victim, they're not the ones that spent $64 million to take down the largest oldest standing in shelter. They didn't do that. You're talking they, about Operation Rio, Rio Grande. Grande. Yeah. Most I'm talking of it went about to nightmare. Law I'm right? talking about nightmare Rio Grande, where all the the different jurisdictions got a little uh, command center down there on the taxpayers' dollars. Mm -hmm. They did not do that. Unsheltered people did not come up with that plan. They did not demo that building. They did not leave that there. And now they are not the ones that are erecting another luxury complex on that same premises. So uh, you, we cannot blame people who did not have any any doing. Um, or undoing of that. Right. When you cause people to become unsheltered and you cause people to die 
while they're unsheltered, you absolutely are going to be held responsible for that. And just to remind folks, Road Home was the big shelter downtown. Absolutely. Totally demolished. The, 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 the folks unsheltered were dispersed, absolutely. causing, you know, problems with Karens here, Karens there, Karens oh, yeah. everywhere. Oh, yeah. Um, and again, nothing has really been solved. It's sort of like a a whack-a-mole, if you will. Well, so they think that they solved this problem by making three smaller shelters. But like I've been telling people, if you drive a Ford F-350, you cannot replace it with three Geo Metros. (laughs) (laughs) The same amount of people in Uh that Ford F-350 are not going to be able to be squished into the three smaller vehicles. So make it make sense. You didn't do anybody a favor. You didn't do anybody a favor. Do you think there was a deliberate plan there, sort of a divide and conquer, if we split the homeless folks up between here, there, and everywhere, that somehow there'd be a win? Listen, when it comes down to unsheltered people, they would rather have them die, kill each other, be abated until one of the other two happens, or then be locked up. They don't care what happens to them. Well, the mayor of New York City has got a new policy. The new policy to to see how that works. Involuntarily lock people up for mental health issues. That is disgusting, and I know that one of my one of my issues with uh, our city mayor going out to Florida, uh, besides the fact that that made no sense because we don't have the same temperature, but uh, one of the things was that uh, she was in support of that idea. Um, Who 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 has the empowerment who has the right to now go out and deem people as mentally unstable so they can justify throwing him in mental hospitals not her um and 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 i think that's disgusting do that yeah i mean they're already having them do that let's keep it real and so for her to to even consider that just goes to show the mindset they don't care the 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 object of the game is get rid of people get rid of them at any cost hide them yes hide them but see, when you hide them, they can come out. So let's just get rid of them. So, Dave, what are your thoughts on this about making a case uh, against our elected officials for these deaths? Well, to me, you know, like Ty was saying, you know, they I mean, winter comes every year and we've seen people freeze to death, you know, every year. people and, freeze Oh, to yeah. And Except when it, it just seemed like what since it's kind of being an election year they noticed this winter <laughs> and so but talk the, about the, climate change yeah oh. and that that's the thing too is because you know under their order you know the campaign you know ordinance you know and the police going out slashing breaking their poles and sometimes we see some of the unsheltered all they have are just the clothes on their back you know all their stuff's in the dumpster all this stuff they prepared to get them through the winter, you know. So that's taken away their survival. Hey, I have, a, I have a question for you. If folks, as this abatement, so folks, the public health department declares something a public health situation, and they're going to abate it or clean it, and then the police go down and provide security, they have a contractor that comes through and, and cleans it out sometimes with um, heavy machinery. But... If they're going to ticket that person, doesn't their property become evidence? And shouldn't the police then be booking it into evidence? What do you think of that strategy? Well, it's kind of like a home invasion. You know, it doesn't say a house. It just says residence. And so, you know, if you're going into a person's house, which could be a tent, you're actually breaking in. It's breaking and entering. And you're stealing their property. So, you know, when the cops are doing this, you know, they're saying, oh, well, we're just doing our job. 
but yet you know he's still breaking and entering and plus yeah. with this thing you know they're aiding and abating somebody that probably will die that night you know because if you ever notice when these abatements happen either a storm comes in uh snow or either the temperature drops there doesn't and seem to be any good connection oh right? no the, yeah that's why Tuesday I'd we're going to bring in the front loader and that's that we don't care what the weather is yeah who who where anywhere is anybody doing a good job helping the unsheltered can you point to any cities that are doing something better or right compared to us new york and elsewhere is anybody doing something good uh yeah dendra colorado they're Ten. actually regarding humans as the humans they are, and they are approving sanctioned tent cities. That's what needs to happen here. Um, you know, the problem here is that, and I even had a police officer, I had a kind of a debate with a police officer at the last abatement where he said their, their tents are not legal homes. And I was like, why aren't they? Their bodies are there. Their personal belongings are there. So why aren't they? If, if, you, if I have a place and I have a lease and you come and stay with me, and you're not on my lease, but you've got one shoelace in that house, you have just as much legal right to my dwelling as I do. That's your legal home. So why isn't it their legal home when their stuff is there? You see what I'm saying? Everybody right, wants right. to try to... And so that's why it would have made more sense for uh, the mayor, the city mayor, to travel to Denver, Colorado to see what they're doing because they have, they, have, they have like terrain and like weather. It would have made sense. So they, they but, picked a park or a golf course or something and exactly. said you can camp well, here. Well, she wanted to she wanted to go on a vacation, um, and, <laughs> and 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 and, and, and furthermore, oh. allegedly, furthermore, when you go to Denver, Colorado, you have a mayor out there that's supporting what we're fighting for here, and he's doing what we're fighting to get here. So if you don't want to do that, you're not going to go to the place that's approving that. Right. So days in Denver. There is a model for how things could be better, that uh, people wouldn't have to be necessarily treated like trash, well, like here in New York and right. thousands and of other Right, and let's keep it cities. real. Camp Last Hope was the model. I already showed them the blueprint. I already did this two years ago. And they remind folks about Camp Last Hope. Where Camp was. Last Hope was under I-15. It was over on about, what is that? Tenth South. Tenth South and about Fifth West. Um, and hmm. we and I put Camp Last Hope together because of this very thing, the constant abatements. Dave showed up and was cooking over there. We had Barbarella come and build a closet. The community came together, and nobody froze to death that winter. One person, actually, in October, um, and we started Camp Last Hope in December. And it was there until February. They should have never disassembled that. But that was the blueprint. That was the closest to a sanctioned tent city that Utah has ever had. That was the largest one. We had at 211 people the day that they closed that out. Wow. Wow. And, and we brought services there. We brought everything that they needed. You had porta potties, Housing, et cetera, right? Porta potties, yeah. CPR training, naloxone training, Narcan training. Wow. Um, we whatever needed to be done, we yep. had it done there. Do, doing what the city says they can't or county can't do. <laughs> right. You right. were doing it on a volunteer basis. Just by getting mm -hmm. my big mouth on social media <laughs> and asking for help, which I'm still doing. You're yes. still doing. Yes. So there is a model. There is I mean it's terrible for anyone who's unsheltered, whether they're single family or whatever, but you're clearly talking about a model that could work. And the, the same police who stand around while the front loaders are putting stuff in the dumpster could arguably be policing the tent city. Uh, I wouldn't want them degree. policing our tent city. I think no. that there's been enough trauma. But here's no. the thing. Um, we do have some, and some people are going to cringe, but I don't care. We do have some officers out there that are respectful, and they've been helpful. Um, so if we had to have a police 
um, presence that we would like to handpick them because we know well, who they are. I was yeah. thinking if that would make uh, it more palatable to the rest of society if there was a police presence. Um, but like no, you say, they're still unsheltered people. Yeah. So no matter how you, and that's why it hasn't happened, because no matter what you throw in there, as long as you have unsheltered people being in there, people are always going to find a way to say no. And uh, that's the horrible part about it. Ty, Dave, you ready to camp on the people's lawn at the people's house in a legislative ready. session? Yeah. I'm to the point to where I just think that the advocates should just, we should just go hard and just do it for them. Yeah. I understand why they're afraid, but yeah. it, it needs to be done. Well, and I again, think they're and also over at the Delta Center. Uh, I'm so down. Oh, that's right. It's going to be the Delta Center again, right? They <laughs> oh, just announced geez. that. See, How about next weekend for the NBA game? I, we'll I, I already said that. Oh. I already said that. Let's go. We can decorate the tents to, to represent each different team. <laughs> Let's roll. Let's uh, maybe some of the players will stop by and they say should. Hello, they have enough money. Oh, and well. a lot of them and a lot of them were unsheltered, especially if they were black or brown players in the NBA. A lot of them dealt with homelessness, with food scarcity. So right. why would they Coming not up. be in support? Yeah. Ty Bellamy, Black Lives for Humanity Movement, and Dave John Hours, unsheltered our unsheltered relatives. Also part of the second and second coalition. Again, movie night quickly, Dave. Uh, tonight, doors will open at 8 o'clock, and tomorrow, Thursday. Also, I'll be cooking the dinner for Thursday night, planning on doing some rice bowls. So if you're re- willing to volunteer, do some hours, yeah, just look on Second and Second Coalition Facebook page and sign up. Check Thanks. the show notes for details. Nick Burns. Thank you for this conversation. Always a pleasure to talk with both of you, sort of pulling the Band-Aid off and showing people what's really going on, and I appreciate that on Radioactive. Next up, of course, is Democracy Now! I'm Nick Burns. Shout out to executive producer Laura Jones. Tomorrow night, rising journalists at Salt Lake Community College. They take over the mics. Friday night, punk rock farmer. Democracy Now! is next. KRCL, Salt Lake City.